Welcome to the West of North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week to answer your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Tim, we're, we're going to hell and back to get this episode out, but it's, we're, we're going to do it. I'm determined. Yeah, I believe in us. I think uh, <laughs> this one will eventually work. Yeah, come come hell or high water, we'll get there. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're we're gonna we're gonna cut right to it. I'm drinking a beer. You're drinking a beer. <laughs> but <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna elaborate on your your beer of the week? Yeah. Uh, so I have a, a beer from uh, Cascade Lakes. It's uh, our Cascade Lakes Brewing Company. It's out of uh, Redmond, Oregon. And I was feeling like going with a darker beer. So I, uh, I went with a salted caramel porter when I was at the store. Uh, I generally don't like kind of, I don't know, beer that has a bunch of additions to it. So you can't taste the beer. So let's, let's, let's see how, uh, how it tastes. One second. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a salted, <laughs> it's as advertised. It is a, a, definitely a salted caramel porter, but I'm, 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 it's, I'm not feeling it. It's a, a, a little too much. Like, I don't know, like something like a, not your father's root beer. It's a, like a flavored drink with alcohol in it more than it is a beer. I'm not really getting the, uh, the beer characteristics. It definitely has, I don't know, uh, an added flavor quality to it so i mean I'll, I'll drink it it's not like i'm gonna pour it down the drain but it's definitely not the favorite i've had in in some time i cringe when you say not not your father's root beer because that uh, it i it <laughs> just sounds like bad hangovers ah, yeah that was bad hangovers <laughs> uh this week i have uh an Nkasi beer which i usually am am all for uh and this week it's um it's on the lighter side. So it's 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 um it's called the Steady Orbit Grounded IPA. And I would call, definitely call this a session session IPA. It's uh at 4.5% and uh 35 IBU. So a, li- a little light on both ends there, but uh very drinkable. I wouldn't say I dislike it. I think I could actually put a few of these away, which is if you're if you're looking to have several beers, this is this is the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I like a personally a good uh, sessionable sessionable beer, something you can have more than one of and not feel like you get your 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 face knocked off with the alcohol. And you know, funny right. enough, you'd be surprised at how uh, how how few IBUs a lot of IPAs have. I, 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 you're when you're looking at an IPA, you're looking more for the flavor than just the bitterness. The IBU is not a perfect scale for that. And uh, yeah. so you, I, I, there's a lot of IPAs that range in that 35 to 38 IBU range, depending on what hops they're using. Yeah, I, I like a bitter IPA. To um, I, I don't know that it necessarily makes or breaks it for me, but like I, I, I tend to like the ones that are like closer to 50 IBUs. Oh, wow. But you know, some of those ones that are way above that, like that, you get them to the double and triple IPAs, those can get pretty bitter and that, that can be a little, little tough to drink. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's a, it's the funny thing. I, we were talking off air. We're going to 
take a peek behind the curtain, but I was uh, mentioning that I just learned that a lot of porters and stouts will have actually more hops and IBUs in it than uh, than your IPAs, funny enough. Yeah, I, I definitely, I could I could believe that there, there are some porters and stouts that will knock your socks off, <laughs> will <laughs> knock you down for sure. <laughs> um all right so let's let's keep let's keep this thing moving and jump into tim tim's bit for this week well this hasn't been a very great soccer week for uh for me for you caleb and it's it, there are small results <laughs> some other results that are uh we'll, we'll not go into as well but uh I, i've been pretty down on the world of soccer so i was wondering what do you do when the world of soccer isn't going your way? How do you how do you get out of that funk? Do you uh, turn off soccer altogether? Do you have some sort of hobby that you go to? Do you just go focus on your family more? I, what? How do you get out of these uh, really bad weekends? I'll tell you what I did last night, and that was just opened up a beer and played some Halo and tried because <laughs> the the game game ended uh, the Sounders game ended pretty late. Um, yeah. by most standards. I mean, I would think it was like 1030 by the time that game was all said and done, um, which is late, no matter how you look at it, especially if you're on the East coast. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was just done. I was tired. I was really upset that they let that go as long as they did. I was like, they got to put this away at extra time. Oh no, we're not going to do that. Okay. Let's <laughs> get this done in penalty kicks, I guess. And not so much, but you know, for me, it's, I have to like have something that gives me that feeling of satisfaction a little bit more like, so like winning or playing a video game that kind of gives me some feedback. Like I'm actually accomplishing something that like lets me not think about the failures <laughs> of the, <laughs> the things I could not control before. Like it gives me a little bit of control, something I can, I can do myself. So for me, it's like, I have to kind of turn my brain away from the the game and also give myself something that can uh provide some of that uh victory juice <laughs> yeah definitely i uh my problem is I, I i i too often turn to video games but my biggest problem is that uh fifa tends to be my uh my video game of choice and unfortunately mm-hmm. i just don't feel like dealing with soccer in any way, shape, yeah. or form. It's right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I turned, I ended up, I've restarted Elder Scrolls, uh, the uh, Skyrim, just because uh, they have a new edition out. So I uh, went ahead and uh, I have a game start on that. So I just played a couple hours where I was randomly killing things in a fantasy world. It felt nice. Yeah, it, there's, there's always those good fallback games that you got to keep around that yeah. no matter what's happening, you can always just play a couple hours and get your mind off of things. No, definitely. Well, uh, with that going behind, do you want to, want to talk about one of the reasons I'm avoiding soccer right now? I I think we got to jump into this Liverpool game. Um, I am not, uh, I'm not as down about this game as I thought I would be, to be honest. Hmm. How so? I, I kind of like, I didn't expect to win by any means. I I had hoped 
that we would be in it at the at halftime. That was my goal in my mind. And and we checked that box. Even though we were down a goal, we were in the game at halftime. So it made the second half like watchable. And that was, was that was what I was hope, hoping for. Well, it was going into it. I mean, by the end of it, not so much. But, um, I, you know, I, I, I just wanted to have a game where it wasn't over in the first half, right? And it, and it wasn't. So I felt okay about that. Your your goals were much lower than mine. And I felt like I had lower <laughs> games, which again, like I don't think I was expecting to win the game. I was just hoping we wouldn't get tonked. That was my biggest, like, I please just don't get blown out. And we, of course, got blown out. And I know we'll go more into it bit by bit, but just as an overall, it felt like I felt very deflated after that because there was a lot of good feeling coming in. And I've, I felt we like this did not just the loss, but the the way of the loss really felt like a step backwards in some way in my mind. Oh, see, I, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far to, cause to me, I don't think anybody was expecting to win that, win that game. Um, but you know, I, I, I do understand the manner in which it was lost, um, might put, put some dings in the armor a bit, but I think that like, when you look at the overall project, it's not, it's not really a setback as much as a, a reality check. And like, it doesn't slow things down or you know destroy momentum per se it just was like a bump in the road and it's a it's a i think you have to acknowledge that no matter what we have to look at this as a long-term project this is not something that's going to necessarily come to fruition this season I, I think we're still in a good position to make something happen but i don't think that like as far as developing these players and and uh getting Arsenal back to where they should be. I, I don't think this one game or any of the games that we've lost to the, the um, you know, the top, top part of the table. Uh, I, I don't look at those and think, Oh my gosh, that, that really spells disaster for this team. I, I, I even after this, I think uh, that there is things to build on and I don't think that it's a, a setback necessarily. It's kind of just like, yep, this is where we knew we were because this is what is similar to the results that we got from Chelsea and, and Man City. So it's like, we, we know that that is not, we're not magically at their level all of a sudden. I'm, I'm going to just, are be, we are better than the teams below us and not as good as the teams above us. And I think that is exactly what I thought going into this game. I, I, I am just going to interject there. And I think I, I mean, I definitely didn't use the word uh, disaster. I wouldn't have said it was a disaster by any stretch or that this project is over. But I think where I say it's a, a setback or a step back, which would, would be more, is the fact that we did lose those early games in, in the, the beginning. And then we had this long stretch. And, you know, as I said, I wasn't expecting to win. But the, the manner I felt that we lost this game really shows that there hasn't been much improvement from, in reality from those games against Chelsea and Man City. If you really look at it, at least in my opinion, the, that uh, it just shows that we're, we are where we are. And really, is it much, <laughs> much different from last season? Hmm. I I don't know that that is the case because if you looked at like if you throw up the score line with the team that we had last season, you'd be like, okay, well, we went out and got these experienced players who should know better, 
and should should not be making those those types of mistakes that led to this this scoreline in this game. Whereas if you look at the team that we have, I, I look at that and I go, I, I look at at least two of those. Well, yeah, like at least two of the two of the goals that they that Liverpool scored um, could be easily chalked up to just young, inexperienced play. And I think that last last season you couldn't you couldn't do that. That was last season. It was like, well, this these players should be playing better. What is going wrong? What's going on? And that now I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, this is a team of young players who are going up a team up against a team that is very experienced, that has their shit together, that has gone up against some of the toughest teams in the world and prevailed. And when when you look at it, like the the David and Goliath sort of scenario that it could be, I you know I I, I don't think the Arsenal now is is anywhere near the Arsenal of last season as far as the the type of players that we have and the experience that we have. Um, so to me, I, 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 I chalk a lot of that up to a learning experience and, and less of a letdown. Uh, I mean, I, I can kind of see where you're going with like the, the age profile, but it, I mean, it also brings back, you know, that, that it wasn't the fact that like every single player on there was young either, you know, like some of the players that should be doing better aren't you, you look at the four goal goal scored and that's one side of the thing, but the fact that mm-hmm. we didn't score any goals is another thing that's can, can be worrying about it. And, you know, oh like, yeah. And, 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 you know, you know, Lacazette and Aubameyang not producing is another, another worry. So I, I don't know. Like I'm, I may, it may just be the mindset I might, I'm in, but I'm just, I, it's not that I don't see anything positive or like the, the, as I said, it's not a disaster, but I don't, I don't have as a rosy a picture of this loss as uh, maybe you do. Oh, I don't think it's rosy. I just don't think I'm going to lose sleep over it. Like I look at that and I'm just like, okay, well the result is about what I expected it to be uh, as far as letting in some goals I think I think I agree like with you as far as the, it was disappointing to um, not mount any sort of uh, attack like it just didn't that that to me was probably the most disappointing piece of it. But you look at the what the um, the parts that weren't working were the parts like of our experienced players, which is concerning. I I, I, I definitely understand that because I felt like the. It, to me, the the players like you know the the two goals in my mind um, that really were uh, you could pit on on young players. That's you know those are learning experiences and those are those are things that you can teach with. Um, but when you look at like the goals we're not scoring, when you look at the opportunities that were not created. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who you pin those on except for the experienced players who should be doing a bit more. Like, uh, I think there was one real chance that, uh, Aubameyang had and Lacazette, uh, set him up with it. But outside of the, that one, no, actually there was a, there was a, a shot from uh party also. So it wasn't like those those three weren't trying, but outside of that, I thought all three of them had really poor games. Whereas the rest of the team, um, you know, I could I could say, okay, well, these guys maybe weren't ready for that. They were they <laughs> maybe didn't quite realize that second half was going to jump in intensity. 
because you you saw it with the way that uh, Lakonga played when he came out in that second half. It was like he was he was he was somewhere else. I have no idea what happened with that guy. <laughs> and they and they yanked him. And I, I, it was obvious that he was not ready for that step up in intensity. And you could say that to a degree uh, for the whole team, but I would understand it from a lot of the younger players. Um, I don't get it. I don't get why there is no next level of intensity from our side, from like the guys who should know better, the guys who should, who have gone up against Liverpool before multiple times. Um, so I, I, I guess that's the frustrating part. If you have to um, find find some things to really dig in on this team. I, it, it is frustrating to see Aubameyang and, and Lacazette be kind of anonymous in this game. Um, and I, I definitely want to talk about that a little bit more, but um, you know, what, like maybe we, we could, we should start, start at the beginning a little bit and, and go back to the lineup. Cause I am, I think in retrospect, there are some things I would have done differently. What, what, what was your thoughts on the, on the starting lineup? Um, I remember I, we, we were chatting in our uh, Discord group, which is a shameless plug to please join our Discord group because uh, we chat about <laughs> games live. Uh, and I think at the time, the only surprise I had was uh, uh, that Tierney wasn't starting. Mm-hmm. And I, I would have thought that, and now with a little bit of hindsight, maybe putting in Odegaard over Lukonga or, or something, having a little bit more of... Uh, of uh, age or, or experience, I guess would be the better term for it uh, on the team might've been uh, beneficial. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I think I, I wanted Tierney going into the game and I definitely wanted Tierney to have been <laughs> in the game at the end of it. Um because I had like obvi- obviously Tavares gave gave away a goal basically, um, and it, he's he does bring some dynamism to the game. He does things that Tierney doesn't do, but he's also not the defender that Tierney is. And I think in this game, the way things the way things went, it would have been a much different look to have Tierney playing on that side. Um, I, I, I don't know what kept him out of this game other than Tavares hadn't done anything to lose his spot per se, but, um, I I don't know when you, when you know, you have two different types of players, like obviously Tierney and and Tavares are not the same guys They're They do different things. So I don't think that you should feel, and this is maybe something Arteta has to learn, uh, but don't, I, I am no coaching expert, so he, he knows a lot more than I do. But to me, from the outside, I don't think he should feel like he has to play Tavares because Tavares has done well. You know, I feel like there, there is that, uh, you know, you play the, play the guy who's, who's done well in practice or, you know, you, you try to do it uh, based on merit. But at the same time, if you know tactically you have a guy that's going to do something that you need in this game, I think you have to play him. And I, based on like what Tavares was able to do off- offensively, I don't know that he brought enough to justify the lack of of defending that he. Yeah, you know, I, I just don't think he's like as good a defender as as Tierney is. 
Yeah, I mean, it brings up an interesting point, and I don't know the the the, the correct answer. <laughs> uh, we can put the same caveats that you just put out that I did that I'm not a coach and I am just a very avid fan. But uh, uh, do the the things that Tavares do negate the things that Tyranny does? Like, like is it is it just because T- Tavares is a different player doesn't mean it, he's a better player? And I, in my mind, I'm not so 100% sure. I mean, I know Tierney got a heavy uh, usage in the international break. And so I wonder if that was a, a, a thought in Arteta's mind as well. I, I would think that would have gotten him more up to speed as far as like getting into shape to get back to the Premier League because he really hadn't had any games under his belt. So, I, you know, him getting a few games probably was was what he needed to get back into the lineup. So I, I don't know that that's necessarily a negative thing unless he felt he got too much, but I, that's hard hard to gauge, I guess. Um, outside of that, that decision, I, I, I'm... And this is one that was more in, in hindsight um, and not something I would have necessarily called for going into this game based on how things had been... <laughs> working but you know like leading up to this the uh Lacazette experiment had been going pretty well I thought um but then when when it didn't work in this game I I really realized how fragile or you know like it, it, he didn't it, he, he doesn't uh bring enough to the table to really justify his inclusion without question because the thing that really broke down for me in this game was that Lacazette's really good for this team in those subtle ways that don't show up on the score sheet. Like he's not creating goals. He's not scoring goals, but he, he does a lot to disrupt other teams and he does those sorts of things that get fouls and get free kicks in, in dangerous areas but in this game, that wasn't happening. Like he wasn't getting those fouls. He was trying, but it wasn't it wasn't coming off. And so when when he's not getting those fouls, he's he really doesn't justify his inclusion in the lineup. Whereas it, you know, I that is not Odegaard's game by any means. He's not out there drawing a bunch of fouls. I, I'm sure he can do that if he wants to, but that that isn't what I would expect him to. The, the role I would expect him to play on the, on the team. Uh, what he does bring is that security and that transition from front to back, which this game's really, really needed because we, we really looked at party um, to kind of play that role in the midfield. And Liverpool were clearly not allowing that to happen. Like it was not going through the middle and what Odegaard does is pop up everywhere. Like he is a tireless runner. He pressures all over the field. Like he's just a hard worker. And that's not to say that Lacazette doesn't do that, but I just feel like the mobility and the ability to turn and make things happen and to facilitate the players around him. I just feel like Odegaard would have done a lot more to get Emil Smith-Rowe involved in this game to allow Saka to get further forward. Um, I, I, there's just the, the, the pieces that we were missing this game. I felt like Odegaard could have really 
created and and made happen and and it was frustrating to me um when it wasn't working with Lacazette that you know Art- Odegaard didn't wasn't able to to come on and and make those sorts of changes yeah and I, I I I agree with you. It was, uh, and I, I think we we brushed on this briefly, which is that I think the uh, the more experienced players that we really needed to step up didn't, and I really I think Lacazette was in that camp, and uh, I feel that was disappointing as well. But uh, overall, kind of moving on from the starting lineup, I thought the first I want to say fifteen twenty minutes were promising and didn't look. I don't know as bad as I as the uh, the result ended up. What what were your impressions on the opening bit of the game? Well, I thought I felt like you know Arsenal seemed up for it and they were controlling controlling things fairly well. Um, I I thought that yeah that first thirty minutes or so was were were pretty pretty solid. Um, I. I guess the thing that, that was, you know, it, it felt like we were weathering the storm and we're waiting for something to happen at the other end of the field. And I think we're, Arsenal tend to be the strongest at the beginning of the games, but they were doing everything they could on, on the defensive th- side of things. But when you're, you know, in, in the best phase of your game at the beginning and you can't generate anything going forward, it is, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it, it. It's all downhill from there as far as Arsenal goes. If you can't generate some sort of scoring chances, you can't put pressure on Liverpool to keep them honest and keep them, um, you know, pinned back a little bit more. I think Liverpool just they they are experts at playing their way into games and weathering the storm and finding way those those gaps that you're leaving open and capitalizing on, on them whereas arsenal just don't have that yet that and i don't think they did i think overall they just don't the team doesn't have the experience to to pounce on those mistakes to push teams into you know put them on their heels so i i I think there's still things to be worked out obviously on on the offensive side of things defensively you know i thought they looked really pretty good and you know ramsdale had a lot of work to do and despite the cor- the scoreline i thought he had a pretty <laughs> pretty excellent game I, I like surprisingly he he still made some really really good stops there's just nothing he could do about the the goals that they did score i mean if it wasn't for ramsdale the score would be a lot more <laughs> embarrassing uh but i yeah. think uh you, you you do make a good point of that. I think, uh, you know, for the first part of the game, it was uh, kind of us holding our own. It was also a little bit, I think, of Liverpool kind of feeling us out a little bit and, f- and finding mm-hmm. out where the weak spots were, where, which is something that they do really well, unfortunately. Uh, and you could see, like, as the, the, the half was progressing, it went from like, oh, it feels like we're holding our own to, Oh God, get us through to halftime is a, and I don't know exactly where that uh, that dial switched, but it did feel right around the the thirtieth, thirty fifth minute. Yeah, I, it, funny enough, that is that there was a a, a moment in, on the sidelines that 
may have been the turning point and uh we would be uh remiss if we didn't talk about the <laughs> the dust up between <laughs> Arteta and Klopp um that was uh that was interesting and and some people are saying that was the turning point that turned turned things against Arsenal um and if you, you kind of look at the way the you know the timing of the goal, the first goal and and such, you you could definitely draw draw a line from from one event to the next. But um, what was your impression of like the uh, the you know I I don't even know who you, who you put at fault at this uh, for this incident, but you know what 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 I saw was was a. I would say a Klopp instigated moment, but you know, you you tell me what was your what was your feeling when that event occurred in the game? <laughs> well, going back to your like, I think it's kind of silly to try try and pin the turning point in the game on the two uh, coaches fighting or arguing. Yeah, fighting, I think might actually even be a big <laughs> too big of a word for it, but uh, I think it's more <laughs> a, a, a symptom than a than a uh, a or, or than a cause of the change the game changing. I think. Really, what you're seeing is the fact that Mane was not getting the fouls called against him that he should have been, and that the the game really felt like the refereeing, in my opinion, was getting away from Arsenal. And I mean, we kind of loosely talked about that with that not getting the calls that I think he's had been accustomed to getting. And I think uh, Arteta maybe had been calling that out, and it it seemed like Klopp took a, exception to that. Uh, it's, it was a kerfuffle. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I think it's, I always, I always find something like that unless it actually becomes detrimental to the team to be good. I think it fires up players. I think, uh, players see that and know that their coach is fighting for them at least. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't, and it, it seemed like it didn't really ripple onto the, the, the team as if they got more chippy or were, you know, getting useless yellow cards cause they're all revved up about it. So I thought it was an overall neutral to positive effect. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, just, just one of those things that happens when passions are high. I don't think Klopp or Arteta actually dislike each other or there's going to be a, a new burgeoning Mourinho, uh, Wenger situation happening. But, uh, yeah, it was it was funny. What what were your thoughts on it? Well, you know, I think the the observers of that were were kind of looking at the play with with Mane and and Tomiyasu and going, well, there there wasn't much in that. So why is why is Arteta and Klopp getting all crazy about it? Uh, but to me, you look at you look at the way that Mane plays, and he's. He's got talent. I totally get that part of things, but he's also kind of a dirty player, and he does those sorts of things that get into um, other teams' heads. And he he was he was pushing the limits of what he could get away with with you know down that side with Saka and Tomiyasu. So, um, I think from Arteta's perspective, what whatever that foul was uh, right before the the argument was was not necessarily the the biggest deal but maybe the straw that broke the camel's back because he's doing that stuff and maybe worse throughout the whole game so i, I think there were moments where money could have been sent off with a second yellow uh it was, he he just he pushes pushes players and um i you know i i wouldn't say that uh you know it, it, 
if if I th- I think there was a misunderstanding there as far as like Arteta's getting upset as from an overall perspective that like that foul that little foul was just one of many whereas Klopp's going there's nothing in that there's, there's nothing to be upset about why are you getting upset about that little thing whereas I think he was looking at a a bigger picture sort of situation and uh, yeah I just I I I get it from from both both perspectives um and you know if you can get away with it i players are going to so it, it kind of comes down to what you're getting out of the ref that day uh clearly lacazette was not getting it from the ref and you know that when, when you're not getting the fouls that can be frustrating and then um also when players are fouling you and you're you're not getting the calls that is yeah, I, I I felt for Tommy Asu. I, th- I felt like he had a, he had a couple go you know couple nasty fouls that could have been cards for other players, but it didn't it wasn't going for him. So you know it's it's part of the game. I don't know if that was necessary necessary as far as the um, the argument goes, but I get that some some coaches use that to their advantage, and I think Klopp definitely took advantage of the situation and got the crowd riled up with it. So. Um, at uh, the same token, I think Arteta did a great job in defending his players and doing what you you need to do to get your your team behind you as an individual. So that's you, you need your coach to fight for you, and, th- and he did that. Uh, but I, I don't know if that was the turning point, but it certainly didn't help Arsenal <laughs> by any means. I mean, I, as I say, I I I think it had a negligible to n- no effect on the actual game itself. To be honest, I just think it was uh, coincidental that it the uh, first goal happened fairly closely after that, and even it wasn't even that close. It was like what eight minutes after that uh, situation, so yeah, it wasn't like a bang bang situation. So, I mean, I think really when you look at it, as I'm sure we're going to right now, that 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 goal was coming for Liverpool. It, it really as I think I mentioned earlier, I was just, I was, I was hoping to get into halftime and regroup and try it again. Cause it was just whatever was going on from really about the 30th minute on was just not, not working. Yeah. I think the undeniable piece that you could take away from that incident was that it definitely got the crowd more into the game and that does have an effect. So, um, I don't know if that was had a negative effect effect on our Arsenal, but it definitely had a positive effect for Liverpool, and that uh, they got the crowd behind them for a little bit more going forward. So, I I don't know. I don't, I I don't know that I would have fault fault Arteta for any anything, but it definitely it wasn't it wasn't nothing. It, it was it was definitely something that affected the game one way or the other. See, I, I don't know, hundred percent agree with that, but we'll. Uh, I think we should move on to the uh, <laughs> the the goal. What you what you think of the uh, the Mane goal? Um, you know, I you could throw Gabriel under the bus. You could throw Party under the bus for that matter. I think both of them had a role to play as far as defending that, but it was a good goal. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't even say that was a, something that Ramsdale should have gotten to or anything like that. It was a, it was a, it was a tough one. Um, good delivery, good good header, going catching Ramsdale going the wrong way. So, yeah, that, that one I I wouldn't wouldn't put too much fault on on our team. Other than you know it could have been a little bit tighter on on Mane, of course, as far as defending goes, but. Yeah, it, those those ones happened. I expect expect those to those sorts of goals to go in, 
it's some of the other ones in the game that I shake my head at. I mean, yeah, it, it is just one of those ones that happens. I, I, to say I wasn't too mad may be an overstatement, but I was just like, yeah, <laughs> Mane popping up on a set piece scoring. That seems seems about right. Uh, it, as I just said, just like I was hoping to get to halftime at least level and that kind of that's always kind of annoying and it's in that that kind of time period the last like five-ish minutes of a half where they score a goal and it really changes the halftime talk it changes the feel of going into the locker room i think you can really take heart if you go into a locker room level and really kind of come back out with a more of a purpose Mm -hmm. which uh you know moving on i don't i don't know if it felt like arsenal really did come out with more of a purpose what do you what do you feel uh, no, I mean, obviously like you look at Lakonga, I think he was kind of the tip of the iceberg as far as players not stepping up or losing their concentration or, you know, I, I don't know what, what you call it, but it was not, not a step up from the first half. It was definitely a regression. So that was, um, frustrating, I guess. And, you know, they paid for it pretty quickly with Jota scoring, uh, the 52nd minute. You know, they, he just he just ran around him, made him look silly, and uh, that uh, that kind of dagger goal, I think, really disrupted any any semblance of concentration the team had. And I think you can definitely chalk that up to an experience in youth, and those are those are things that are going to happen. But then to continue, you know, to not regroup and and continue to slide, that's that's pretty frustrating. So I think there's. There's player, there's players at fault, and I think there's some coaching at fault there too, because I think you you've got to figure out how to get your team to refocus and and you know find at, at two at two nil down, you're still in it, but it, it, you have to find a way to put them under pressure, and I think they just kind of were on their heels and and. You, you needed something from your, your leaders on that, on that team. And I, I, this is where Aubameyang as a captain doesn't necessarily work. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's, he does lead by example, but if he's not going out and scoring goals and he's not rallying the troops, then it leaves a void of leadership on that field. And you kind of need somebody that's going to step in and say, okay, we got to rally guys. We got to lock it down defensively and we got to get the ball forward. If yeah, you don't have that, it, it's not going to work. Exactly. I mean, it's, I'm, and uh, this is far be it from me calling back for Jaka <laughs> back onto the field. That's not what I'm saying, but like just that quality does, does exist in Jaka. Like that is one of the qualities he has. Yeah. And I, and I feel someone like Ramsdale might have that once he gets more authority, once he gets, you know, his boots into being the starting keeper, you know, like I think he's a player that could really try and do that. Uh, Cause I mean, you look at the rest of the team, you, you know, I love Sokka, but I don't see him really doing that. I mean, to be honest, mm-hmm. I think Lacazette might have a better shout at uh, kind of rallying the troops and doing that than uh, than Aubameyang does. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and I think Odegaard, too, when he has his... I think at right now he's he's got a lot going on trying to get his game back on, on the rails, but he has those leadership qualities as well. So I think... We've talked about it before. The more of those types of players you have on the field, the less you have to rely on an individual to make those sorts of um, captain's calls. You know, it's like 
if everybody is has that leadership quality, then individually they're just doing it, and you don't have to go rally the troops. They are they're always talking. They're always getting the people around them to buy in. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to have an armband to be a leader on this team, but you do need players to step up in those big moments, and that just didn't happen in this game. Yeah, and you know. It not happening meant that uh, the third goal <laughs> went in. Yeah, um, and, and that third that third goal. Well, I should say we we kind of glossed over it on the on the Jota goal, but that was a real bad giveaway from Tavares that led to that. I mean, oh, yes. he basically handed them that goal. Uh, not to say that Jota didn't do some some work to to make us look foolish after he got the ball, but you know. Tavares just handed it to him on the play on a plate at the top of the box, which is uh, really not something you can do against Liverpool. So that was, uh, yeah, that was when I was like, "God damn it, we should have had Tierney in this game because <laughs> he, do- he doesn't do that sort of thing." Um, but yeah, the the third goal was pure, you know, kind of going back to the Mane first goal is just it, what you expect from Liverpool. Really, it was slick it was fast and cut arsenal apart which was frustrating when you're that's that's the third goal you know and and you're you see you see any opportunity to stay in the game sliding away uh that was that was rough yeah more than anything that third goal was the the, for me the nail in my uh hopes (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i think what was hard about that too is like that third goal goes in and I mean, I didn't even really have any hopes for getting a consolation goal after that third goal went in. I like it; just felt like that it was a the game over already mm. with a quarter of the game left. You know, it just was like okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah. all right. Well, and and we only had like five total shots, so it was it wasn't like they were create. We were really doing anything to create uh, much going forward. So when they've put away three and you've barely gotten a shot, you know, when Allison has barely had to do anything the whole game, uh, you know, it's not going to magically, uh, the, the switch is not going to magically flip in the last, uh, you know, 20 minutes of the game or whatever. Um, and then, and then they brought on a couple more, more subs and, <laughs> Put, put another one and then and this the the last one again was uh, down to another avoidable mistake because i think had tommy asu not be, and, and and this is probably a symptom of like chasing the game and, and trying to get guys forward to make something happen but tommy asu could have been tired from go, <laughs> you know going up and down he, he was pretty involved surprisingly on that right hand side um but he got caught out of position and I'm sure he's kicking himself to uh, let a goal in from his uh, fellow uh, Japanese <laughs> countrymen. You know, like I, I'm sure he it was relishing going up against Minamino. But, you know, when uh, when all is said and done, he was way out of position. And I'm sure Ramsdale had some words for him because he could have easily prevented that had he been you know, tracked back where he was supposed to be, but he was way upfield. And, um, you saw, you saw him running into the frame much too late. (laughs) And, uh, 
I'm sure he's he's not going to let that happen again very easily. But uh, yeah, it's at four at four nil. That's it was just it was already over. It was just a icing on the cake for them. And I I feel I don't. It might be too harsh for me to really blame Tomiyasu with the fact that we were chasing the game. That like, really the game was over at three nil, and I think yeah, you know, I don't think he would have been. You you did mention it, but I don't think he would have been out of position as badly if we weren't chasing the game so hard, right? And you know, at least trying to get something back. Uh, I wonder. I mean, it was just after Miniama, Mini Mina. Mino? Mino, Mino? Mino, Mino, yeah. Mino, Mino. Yes. Uh, I took a semester of Japanese. I should be able to pronounce this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was just after you got subbed on. So I wonder if there was a little bit of a, mm. you know, a shift in Liverpool game plan that also caught, you know, uh, Tomiyasu by surprise. Uh, I, I think there's just, it was also a, a case of fresh legs too. It just yeah. it was, um, yeah, I, I, I think by the time Tommy Tommy Asu realized like that he was so far out, he, like, he put the he put the afterburners on, but it was much too late. I, I know that playing FIFA. There's these times when you're playing against a team that you don't know, and you like have this a uh, moment of when you're running back and you're holding down the trigger for a sprint. And you're like, well, this guy is just faster than me. <laughs> there's nothing yeah. I can yep. do. He's he's got more more in the tank. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I you know I I look at the team and there's there's not a lot of highlights here. Like I said, I think Ramsdale had a, a solid game despite the scoreline. Um, but you know I, I I think there was moments that looked good, but not a great showing overall from the team. They didn't look like they had had the. Um, the confidence really to, to push forward. And I, I, you know, I, I think I, I, I wanted a bit more from party. I wanted a bit more from Lacazette and Aubameyang. And I felt, you know, Smith Rowe was invisible in this game. They could not get him involved at all. And Sokka had the ball, but couldn't make anything happen. So, you know, it's, uh, it just was not a great showing from any individual, uh, and I, I, I don't know, I guess I, when it was getting, you know, two, three goals, when we were down a couple goals, I was looking at this team going, well, where are the goals going to come from? That's the concerning part right now is when when the chips are down, if, if Aubameyang and Lacazette aren't connecting, aren't able to get forward, aren't able to do all the things that make them work, it... it it does leave a lot to be desired. And I, I when, when Smithrow and, and Saka are also not able to be involved, it's just, it is a, a gaping hole on the offensive side of the field. And then you look at the bench and it's like, well, who do we, who do we bring in to try to make something happen at the end of this game? Or, you know, went back, you know, maybe when you're trying to get in it, trying to stay in the game, I, I don't know what else we could have done to, to change things up offensively. And that that's concerning right now is that it is very thin and very fragile. It seems so going into going into AFCON as my, I have to say every episode, um, <laughs> it's a little concerning. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they, they can actually go out and find anybody that's going to 
check any boxes in the in the January window. Um, I don't even think if we you have get, the money <laughs> to do it. Right, yeah, I mean, you have to, you'd have to turn some players to make it happen. So um, even if you get Jaka back in the team, I still have some worries on who's going to finish, who's going to put goals away. You, you've got Martinelli, you've got Balogun maybe, you've got um, Pepe, but... <laughs> I, I, they're, they're all, they're all kind of flaky. I just don't know that we have anybody reliable right now anywhere starting or on the bench. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it's a worry about the goals. It was a worry, you know, for the first start of the season and it's kind of seemed to, we found a way sort of for the, you know, that this kind of middle well, section. Yeah. But then, yeah, you know, when we've hit this Liverpool again, we start to, to see this big glaring hole of, uh, you don't have the frightening goal threat. And, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to lose faith in Aubameyang, but I really, you know, it's starting to less to be a, a, a gold drought or, you know, just a streaky striker type of thing to being more of a trend that is, he's just not scoring the same amount of goals. And I don't think he strikes fears in the heart of a, the defenses like he used to. Yeah. And you look at this game and I, and, he had one real clear cut opportunity and, and scuffed the shot. And it's like, I, I, I guess he's, he's, he needs a bit more to start. I mean, you need a bit more opportunity. If you are a streaky type of goal scorer like that, you need probably more than uh, one chance, you know, <laughs> in a game to make things happen. Um, so it does speak to like the, Liverpool's game plan worked pretty well. They were not able to funnel the ball uh, out to the, to the player to the players that can make could make a difference. Um, I felt like Party and Lakanga were very ineffective in the mid middle of the of the field, and um, like I said, it, it, Smith Rowe might as well have not been in this game because I it barely heard his name called at all, and I think he's he's been a part of that. Um, run where we had you know he had five five games in a row where he was scoring goals so it's like he, he was helping to make up some of that uh um offensive deficiencies that we were dealing with but it, it's it, you need it, if you're not going to have consistency as a team it's it's really difficult i mean it, it's one thing if a bombing is not having a good game but that means somebody else has to step up you cannot it, this is just one of those situations where you look at the, the the Liverpool team and they've got offensive power all over. They've got guys that can make things happen all over. Uh, and it, it doesn't feel like Arsenal's quite there yet. Like the, the firepower is too, too flaky. You know, it's just, it's not something you can rely on. And, and obviously better teams are going to be able to shut it down pretty easily. So, uh, what we have works against some lower, some of the lower level teams, but I think we 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 need a bit more when it comes to to um, trading blows with the bigger teams. And uh, just for for me, one final question for you before we kind of uh, move on, or if unless you want to stay too much more on this, but uh, you mentioned that this uh, this you know is a younger team, and uh, you know uh, we're we're still in the growing. Do, do, do you think games like these help or hurt these younger players? Does, does getting, you know, really blown out by a, a big team 
does the experience gained outweigh the blow to the confidence that these players have? I, I, I don't remember where I heard it, but somebody was talking about how this Arsenal team used to just have a lot of baggage. Like it was just kind of institutional baggage where you had a lot of guys who had been around the team for a while and had been in these games where they'd been blown out. And you kind of have that hanging in your memory. Um, so that when, when you go up against them, when you go up against Liverpool the next time, you remember that, that blow last couple blowouts. And so you, you have a hard time overcoming that. Um, I think where we're at right now, we have a lot of young guys who don't have that institutional memory where they can shrug it off and they can say, you know, we'll, we'll do better next time. Or that's going to, you know, with a guy like Ramsdale, I think that's, that's the stuff that fuels him. And I think that that sort of personality and that sort of attitude is infectious. And I think if you can rally the team and, and say, Hey, this is just a bump. And this is not how it's going to go every time. And we're going to we're going to take what we did wrong in this game and we're going to fix it and we're going to go out and we're going to win a few more games and we're going to come back and, and be stronger for it. And I think that you can um, you can kind of push push the team away from that that sort of institutional memory and and say we're not we're not going to carry these games with us we're going to put them behind us and we're going to move forward and that's not going to be something we carry and I, I i think that is something that lines up with arteta's attitude uh towards things and i think we'll um be able to bounce back better and better because we have a young team that's going to be able to learn and and grow and it's not something that's like established that they're just going to be, you know, you know, we, they've had a tough season, but I think that it, this is, you can put those games behind them and say, okay, well, we play, we play Liverpool again in February at home. Let's not let that happen again. Let's see if we can go out and, and learn a bunch of things, get better. And by the time February hits, we're going to be better than we were this time around. And so I, I, I just feel like youth kind of lets you bounce back a bit more than the, than the team teams that we have fielded in the past few seasons. And Ryan, just to, I like throwing out some devil advocate thing. What do you, what do you think this very specifically this does for the confidence of the Kong, the Conga, the, you know, getting pulled early and obviously, you know, coming out that second half and, you know, not performing up to expectations. Does that, do you think he just laughs that off or not laughs that off, but just kind of shrugs it off or does it, are, are games like these detrimental for someone for him? I, I I'm going to put my faith in Arsenal Arsenal's recruiting. Um, I think he is he was a captain. He is somebody that's still up and coming. Like as far as his national team, um, but I think when Arsenal identified him, they they weren't just looking for his skills on the field. They were looking at the type of person that he is and the type of uh, overall player he can be. And so I think the hope is that they are doing their due diligence and can look at a player like that and say he can make it in the Premier League. Well, to be able to make it in the Premier League, you have to be a bit more resilient. And sometimes when a game is not going your way, um, you got to just accept that and move on. 
and and that game did not go his way and that's okay uh, he will come back and and be fine i'm i'm sure because he's going to get more opportunities he has to come back and play because we need him so i i think um i think i think we can chalk it up to a one off and 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 say he'll he will he will be back and and tougher for it because you know it is a learning curve playing in the premier league it is not it is not an easy league it is not something you can come in and just be an automatic superstar you have to learn the the way of things and the physicality and the mental toughness that you need takes time and 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 you kind of have to like with with developing muscles you have to tear things down to make them stronger and i think that is this is a a a big tear but he will be back stronger for it and i think that's that's what you have to that's the type of player you have to be in this league to be successful is is resilient and willing to just push forward <laughs> well uh, uh speaking of pushing forward are you ready to push forward to the uh the next upcoming game or was there anything else you wanted to to touch on with the the liverpool game no i think we talked plenty about that let's let's um let's just go right into newcastle i think that's um I, I could not have asked for a better opponent, honestly. <laughs> I mean, considering they're the only team right now in the Premier League that hasn't won, oh, that just screams trap to me. <laughs> like, yes, I, I, yes. But, uh, you know, I, I actually end up hearing a lot about Newcastle because I have a good friend who's a Newcastle fan. So we uh, we tend to trade uh, stories generally of a uh, woe. But, uh, and... I think they're in an interesting position right now because, you know, they, they did just get their new manager. Um, but their last yeah. game, again, was a uh, an interesting uh, an interesting game because uh, it was a really back-and-forth game. They, they, and it was against uh, Brentford. And, you mm-hmm. know, we, we, we know how tricky Brentford can be, but, you know they still aren't necessarily like a, a top tier team. And it's, I think Newcastle is eminently scorable against, which should help us in certain ways. And I, 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 I think even with the new manager bounce is a team that we should definitely be able to get some joy out of hopefully. <laughs> yeah. The new manager bounce is kind of hard. Well, it, it is an interesting situation for them as well. Cause Eddie Howe is, in COVID protocol right now and does not look like he's going to make it in, uh, well, there, the, the chance of him making it are slim at the moment. Uh, he has to, I think he has to get pass a test prior to Saturday's game, um, which is still possible, but I think they were, um, the team was hinting that he, he may not make it in time for that game. Uh, but they have another game on Tuesday, so they were kind of more setting expectations that he would make his make his way back to the field on uh, on the Tuesday game match and not for the Arsenal game. So um, we'll see what happens there. But it, it is there's some interesting dynamics going on with that as well. Yeah, I mean, and the interesting thing about new manager bounce too is that there there's a little bit of. Yeah, you new manager, new tactics, that sort of thing, new energy in the dressing room. But there is a lot 
to it too with the players just going oh shit i actually have to uh you know prove myself to this new manager that i'm worth a starting spot and uh so i think that might still be in there with some of the players uh I heard that John Joe Shelby was a new player, <laughs> which I'll I'll trust as mu- as much as I <laughs> I I don't know I won't trust that very much because John Joe Shelby is a very streaky at best player. But uh, so yeah, we'll see we'll see how the Newcastle players react. But uh, I'm I'm just more looking at Arsenal being proactive and taking the game, and I think it, you know it's a defense that Arsenal should be able to score against, and it is you know, some players that Arsenal should be able to stop from scoring. Yeah, I th- I, I'm i not too concerned on the defensive side of things, but I, I will say it's, um, yeah, I, I, it could be a good opportunity for some players to get some goals or to get some mojo back. I would love to see Tierney get in on this game. I'd love to see um Odegaard come back and and get some, get some starting minutes. Uh just just do a little bit of rotation and try to get some of these guys back into the flow of things because I think this team is better without having to lean on this Lacazette thing that we've had going on. Um despite the run of form, I just feel like what Tierney and Odegaard bring to the the team at their best is is important. And, and will make us more sustainable uh, than, you know, relying on, on Lacazette at the moment. And I think, you know, we've, we've seen Odegaard and, and Tierney have a little bit of a dip in form, but the only way they're going to overcome that is to play. So I think we, in these sorts of games, you've got to give them as many minutes as they can get. And, you know, you still got Lacazette on the bench. You still got Tavares on the bench. So if you need to switch things up, you have that available, but, Give these guys some time to to work things out against a, a a team like Newcastle because I think that will do wonders in the long run for for this for this team and those individuals. Exactly, and you know, just on a very selfish note, I'm I'm glad we're playing them on this side of the transfer window as opposed to the next <laughs> side. Not that I think that they're going to bring in a ton of superstars, but I think they're going to definitely shore up their team this transfer window. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. be nice to be facing the. Uh, probably more dysfunctional <laughs> team on the side of the window. Yeah. You know, speaking of, of new coaches, new coaches and shoring things up, I am very curious to find out what will happen between now and next Thursday, because we do have a, a man United game close on the horizon after this Newcastle match. <laughs> so um, we'll see what happens with, any sort of new coaches or, you know, drama behind the scenes on that side of things. But I think, you know, if you, the, the best way to bounce back from Liverpool and get yourself ready for Man United is with a decisive win against Newcastle. Exactly. I mean, I think that's right now you're at that uh, cliche stage where you're playing the teams in front of you and trying not to look too far ahead. Because if you start looking too far ahead, you'll start, you know, dropping these games. Yeah, um, the the problem right now is we are definitely getting into the the festive season. The games are going to come thick and fast. So there isn't, in in some ways, that that is great. I think that served has served Arsenal well when they've been in Europe and have had games where they can quickly right the ship. 
Um, but it's all it, we've seen teams crumble um, under the pressure and intensity of the the schedule during this time of year. So uh, it can help you. It can hurt you. We, we just hope that they can figure things out pretty quickly here. Yeah, that's a uh, that's the hope. All right. Well, that that seems like a good a good place to stop for this week. We've talked plenty, and we've we'll we'll have plenty more to talk about after this next game. Um, and like I said, things are going to be coming uh, quickly here with with all the games coming up. So we'll have plenty more to talk about in the next few episodes. Uh, in the meantime, thank you all for listening and joining us for this week's episode uh if you want to send in some questions and, or comments there's plenty of ways to do that uh twitter being one of them it's at west or excuse me at w of n london uh and email of course is west of north london at gmail.com we can take your voicemails by going to anchor.fm slash west of north london slash message you can send those to us we'll add them into the uh, future episode if you record your voice we'll drop it in uh of course we've been talking about our discord a lot lately so if you want to join us there reach out uh i do drop the link occasionally on twitter or facebook or wherever i'm messaging people so keep your eye out for that um and you know review subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening right now and make it easy on yourself to get these episodes each and every week and of course we've got bobcat at the top of the show providing our theme song if you like what you heard go check out their website bobc.at is the site no course to follow is their album and there's shows happening so go go find out all the news and information there about when they're going to be playing next uh, that's all for us this week and as always see you at the next gunship